passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. This is our Thursday live edition. So if I forget to edit out any of these stumbles, and this is just listening to this on a podcast, I apologize. I haven't had a lot of coffee today. But, you know, we're going to get into more about Derek Carr, also the coaching hijinks that have occurred. And so, Steve, I guess I, guess I don't think I've asked you this straight up. Would you trade for Derek Carr if he were the Saints? The option of a third-round pick would have to be knocked down a few pegs for me because knowing that in not even a week this guy's going to be released by you because you're not paying that 40 million dollars that's going to be guaranteed I just I can't imagine if if they really want something I'll give you a fifth or a sixth rounder so so wait I'm not gonna let you sidestep this assume they're willing to let you trade whatever you want would you trade for Derek Carr absolutely okay I would definitely want I would de- I want Derek Carr as my starting quarterback. I think that you know over, overall in the, in the league right now, and you see, like I said, if you look at what's going to be available <laughs> in the free agent market, um, the the dream of Lamar Jackson I know is still out there, kind of thing, being able to trade for him. But I think that you have this uh, a guy that's in that middle range tier of a quarterback I'm not going to say he's an upper echelon elite QB in the NFL but but to me I think he can win you games because he has he's a, his ability to to push the ball down the field he's got accuracy uh I'm I'd be curious to see him I guess quote unquote reunited with Dennis Allen and see yeah what 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 could they do and get done what what he had vision obviously drafting him as the franchise quarterback but then just being sucked out of there after four games 
the great offensive mind that we know Dennis Allen to be. <laughs> I, I would think I would think though that he would have to have as the head coach when defensive coordinator or not. I I, I just think you have to have. There's got to be that tight relationship, I feel like, with the QB and head coach. It's got to be like peanut butter and jelly. You got to trust them. Like, that's the thing. It's like you're not going to have a lot of options when it comes to, like, making decisions on on game days in terms of the offense when you're leading the defense. But you have to trust them. And I think that's where if you're Derek Carr and you're Dennis Allen and Dennis Allen says, I trust this guy. And you say, okay, Pete, can you do you think he's he's the guy? And he says yes. And then you go from there. Um, I, I do think it's a good question because is he a top six guy? Probably not. Is he a top 10 guy? Yes. And I guess the question is, do you need to be a top six guy to win? Or can you win as a top 10 quarterback with the right pieces in the right system? I, I think that's that's the question that you have to that you have to figure out. Well, and then you could say, do the right pieces in the right system turn a 10 into a three? It's a Miami two. That's an inside joke that no one's going to get, but uh, we'll we'll move on. If we have time at the end, maybe I'll get into it. But yeah, so so I think that's that's where you kind of have to figure it out because people. I think one of the things that annoys me about a lot of the criticism of decisions around quarterbacks and signings and draft picks is this idea that there is a right choice and a wrong choice, and in reality, there are dozens and dozens of potentially right choices and dozens and dozens of potentially wrong choices. It's just, okay, what's the best option for me right now? And how can I maximize this right now? And that's why, you know, when we talked to Jeff Ireland at the senior bowl, we asked him kind of what traits he looks for in quarterbacks. And I thought his answer was interesting because if you kind of base his answer against the reality of what, what has happened with the saints, his, his entire tenure, it doesn't seem to line up. Quarterback in is is one of those positions where it's an all-in evaluation. It's not just me as the college director. It's not just the coach as a head coach. It's an all-in. We're looking for a very consistent evaluation on the quarterback position. We have to all be in on, on that particular evaluation and say, hey, yeah, we all want this guy. So whether he's a running running quarterback, you know, a, a, a dual-threat quarterback, I mean, ideally – if you're asking me directly, I like the dual threat quarterbacks, uh, but they got to be able to throw when they're hurt. You know, you know, so when they can't when they can't move their legs, they got to be able to throw. But I do like the dual threat guys. Have you ever looked at a Saints quarterback room and been like amazed at all the dual threat guys not named Taysom Hill? Like that's that's the interesting thing to me about those comments is so your scouting director, your college scouting director, really likes dual threat quarterbacks. But this is a team that has always seemed to end up with statuesque quarterbacks on, on game day. Now, you're not going to argue with Drew Brees, right? But you are going to look at the last two years and say, well, why haven't we prioritized dual threat quarterbacks if our scouting director is saying that dual threat quarterbacks are the way to go? I, I think that's interesting. And it does kind of show you the disconnect between the scouting department and like, what do I think I can win with on game day? No, you, you don't think of Jameis, obviously... Teddy Bridgewater as these, you know, I'm thinking just be- I wouldn't call them dual threats. Like they can move. They're not they're not slow or well, I take that back. Jameis is a little slow. But like they're they can they can run. It's really just a question of like like they are not guys you call designed runs for. Let's put it that way. I think that's a good way to kind of delineate between a dual threat and a you know, just you know, pocket passer type quarterback is do you ever call designed runs? 
And if the answer is no, it is not a dual threat quarterback. No, we and we yeah, like you said, besides the name Taysom Hill, we have not seen that. But I do think it's interesting. And now you have this question about okay, are you going to trade for Derek Carr? Also, not a dual threat guy, but I do think that when you look when you're trying, so we talked about the fourth quarter comebacks thing, and I think that is a real metric that you want to look at when you're deciding on a quarterback because a guy who can get the ball down four with two and a half minutes and go down and win a game. I don't care what the stats say. Like that's a skill in and of itself, right? Like you, you can see Tom Brady just mess around for three and a half quarters of a football game. And then, you know, the rubber hits the road and he is a different guy and he goes and wins that game. I think you have seen Derek Carr be that guy in moments. And it's one of the reasons that I think you watch Derek Carr. And I, and I say this for myself personally, like I've watched Derek Carr play. The game, uh, the Raiders and the Chargers last year where he was just dueling with Justin Herbert. Like you watch games like that and you're like, man, this guy's really good. And then you look at the numbers and you're like, he just has middling statistics. And I think that's why, because the way he does it is a little different. Whereas like, you know, Jameis one of one will love me for pointing this out. A vast majority of Andy Dalton's stats came in garbage time. And like it's hard to just look at the numbers and delineate, okay, what, when did this game actually matter? What were these stats accumulated when you were within three points, when you were extending a lead or were they accumulated when you were down two touchdowns in Arizona? Cause that's where a lot of Andy Dolan's best game was in Arizona. When, when a majority of that game, they were down two plus scores and had already thrown two pick sixes. Like, that's a big chunk of Andy Dalton's stats from this year. And I know that because he won me a fantasy matchup that week. So that's one part of it. The other part of it that I think people are, are taking for granted is, while Derek Carr's athleticism might not be something you think about right off the bat, compared to Andy Dalton, he might as well be an Olympic sprinter. Like, he's not a guy who's going to run for a ton of yards, but he's going to extend plays athletically and give you a chance to succeed on plays that don't work perfectly from, from a blocking perspective. And that is something the saints did not have this past season. If the blocking didn't hold up, you were shot. And, and I think that's something that you can look at and say, yes, Derek Carr does give you a bit more from an athletic profile profile perspective to, to kind of make you make that determination. Am I, am I crazy to think that, oh my goodness, okay, you get Derek Carr, quarterback, the possibility, is there still, of retaining Michael Thomas? I, I mean, I know we saw this restructured contract and a lot of speculation was to be that it was him being on the way out kind of deal, but just to think of now, in dreamland here, picturing Derek Carr throwing to Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, Olave, and then you have also a guy like Rashid Shahid with Alvin Kamara, hopefully for some games this season, and Taysom Hill. Just the the, the offense around him, it's it's pretty it's pretty exciting to think about. I think at least heading in as a Week One offense. From a contract perspective, I would say no. From Michael Thomas, yes, and the reason being is like while I say in the past segment, like you can make the money work with Andy Dalton, I'm sorry, with Derek Carr, it will make things more complicated. And bringing back Michael Thomas with his contract the way it is right now would just not work. Yeah, You know, like you're going to have to find ways to create money. And that would be a way, like the reason his contract is structured the way it is, is because he's going to, you know, you're going to, you're going to let him go. 
And like he reduced his salary down to one million dollars, and in doing that, like he put a poison pill in there, which is like another thirty million dollar bonus if he's on the contract, if he's under, if he's on the team next year. So I don't think that's going to happen. Now maybe you can come to terms and like bring him back on a on a on a different deal, but I I don't know. Like he would have to really want to play with Derek Carr, I think, and and really be motivated to make that happen. And and I, maybe maybe he is, but I don't I don't necessarily see that. Now, just to kind of double down on this athletic profile thing, and and granted, and I appreciate that he's 31 years old now, right? Derek Carr is, and his combine numbers do not reflect his athleticism currently. Like he's dealt with some injuries, and that's slowed him down a little bit. But like, I I would imagine that when I say that, people are looking at me with like I have two heads with like he was never that athletic, and like you're wrong, <laughs> because if you go back to the combine. This dude ran a 46940. That's fast. Like that's good speed. Like that's good athleticism for a quarterback. And it's like he, he kind of is this like kind of like dorky looking guy and like you wouldn't assume that he's out there like like spinning the wheels like he was. But like for example, I went through and I looked up the 40 times of all the NFL quarterbacks or at least the majority of them that I could find. Not everyone ran the 40, but 469 there was only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven current starting quarterbacks that ran faster than him at their combine. The fastest was Russell Wilson, Jalen Hurts, Geno Smith. They all ran four, five, nines. So like even that, it's like not not blowing them away, right? So the others, Josh Allen, four, six, two, Ryan Tannehill, who was a wide receiver in college, and then he switched to quarterback his senior season, four, six, five, Deshaun Watson, 466 Justin Herbert 468 so you put Derek Carr at 469 like that's right like that's right there like that is legitimate athleticism at the quarterback position Lamar didn't run Lamar did not run a 40 the the only time 40 I could find for him was in like prep and he ran like a 477 but like that's not fair like I'm not gonna say he has a 47740 because there's just no way like maybe when he was 16 years old he ran a 477 but yeah and so like that would tell you that there are a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL that would be considered kind of dual threat quarterbacks that ran a much slower 40 time. You know who has the slowest 40 time I could find of uh, all the quarterbacks that I that I like had listed 40s that like participated in the combine? Can you guess who it is? Like of current quarterbacks of all time. Of non-retired quarterbacks. Now, Tom Brady is the answer when he is in the NFL cuz he has the most hilarious 40 time of 5.28 which is like a third of a second slower than anyone else I could find on this list. It's just kind of hilarious. I guess I'll go Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, 493. Pretty slow, but not the slowest. Who, 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 who beats him? Jameis Winston. <laughs> no. Yeah, which surprised me. Like, I don't think of Jameis Winston as kind of a slow guy, because he, he does move pretty well, but he, did, he has the slowest 40 of anyone that I found currently and and it's not really fair because there are backups that, you know, probably ran slower times. I don't know. I looked him up because he's on the Saints and he's just kind of an outlier on this list. But he ran a four nine seven, which is really slow. And it's and honestly, it's it's telling of how good he was in college and how enamored everyone was with, with was with his, his skill set that like they just looked past like a five second forty. Uh, like Tom Brady went in the sixth round. 
Like he had a five two eight, but he went in the sixth round. Jameis was number one overall. So I think that tells you just how good he was in college. I was going to say, yeah, and it doesn't mean he's not a good quarterback. And obviously, too, you know, he was such a skilled pitcher in, in college as well. It's it's pretty amazing that, you know, you wouldn't think he'd he'd register higher in the speed category as with his feet when obviously his his arms are doing good. He stole home plate in a game when he was at Florida State. Maybe he just did had a bad day. I don't know. Maybe maybe he didn't he didn't get good sleep. The second slowest on this list. Can you guess who it is? Whoa. He's tied with Kirk Cousins. Started 14 games last season. I was gonna say Tannehill. No, Andy Dalton. <laughs> Four nine three. <laughs> so that's and that's what's funny to me is Jeff Ireland is out there saying, I want dual threat quarterbacks. I like dual threat quarterbacks. And the Saints last year employed two of the slowest quarterbacks in the NFL and then Taysom Hill. Yeah, and Taysom Hill ran a 4-4. Taysom Hill is not a quarterback. Like, he, he ran – like, he and, he and Justin Fields uh, ran 4-4. And so, like, that's, that's, a, that's not a dual-threat quarterback. That's a running back. But I do think it's interesting. And, like, like, like guys, Derek Carr ran a faster 40 then. What was, what was Ian Book's 40? He had a fast 40. I think it was like four five nine. Let's see. I look it up. I remember tweeting about it. Yeah, he ran a four five nine. Yeah. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona. As well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in, these deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562 314 4603 for details. So, guys, Derek Carr ran a faster 40 then. So, Jeff Ireland was all in on Ian Book right there. Yeah. So, Derek Carr ran a 4.69. So, Brock Purdy, 4.84. Daniel Jones, who I would, I would classify as a dual-threat quarterback easily, 4.81. So, that's significantly slower. Matt Stafford, slow guy, 4.81. Pat Mahomes, 4.8. Dak Prescott, 4.79. Aaron Rodgers, 4.75. Kenny Pickett, 4.73. I just thought it was interesting. And like when you look at, and, and I think to me, that is one of the elements that is kind of an intangible that you can't really measure when you're watching a guy play where he's able to create when nothing is there, where he's able to create when things break down. And he might not be the best in the NFL at it, right? He, I mean, he, he might be the worst of the quarterbacks that you can trust to make guys miss. But he is on that list. And I've, I had someone say this to me, and I think it's telling, or I think it's an accurate way to look at it is the 12th best quarterback in the NFL isn't doesn't sound like a great thing until you don't have a top 12 quarterback, and then it's like the stuff you dream about. And I think that's what Derek Carr is. I think he's a top 12 quarterback. Is he number 12? Maybe. But he's a top 12 guy. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. And it's like if you have a top third quarterback in the NFL, that's probably worth quarterback money, and that's what you're paying. And 
um, that that's kind of just where I am with it. And that's, this is kind of the, the research I've done over the last couple of days. Where I'm trying to decide whether this is actually worth the deal. And I think I've landed on the side of like, I think he does enough that it, it would make sense for the saints to bring him in if they can. Yeah. What's amazing to me though, is how many people that I've been hearing, even with WWL, like Bobby, Mike, that the Saints, you know, making this move may not be the best thing because they don't feel like the team's that one piece away from getting back to a championship. And like I said, to me, though, bringing at least Carr in right now, as of right now, you would be the favorite in the NFC South. And obviously you win the NFC South, you get a ticket to the big show, the big dance, whatever you want to call it. And that that ticket is for that chance at the Lombardi. So you are quote unquote a contender then, right? You gotta you gotta get there to 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 win, right? And so that's got to be the first step. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think it's interesting. Bobby is just an Andy Dalton lifer. Um, he's always gonna be on the Andy Dalton train. Uh, so you gotta take that for what it is. And he, he brings up good points. I mean, it's a good question. It's like, are you really gonna spend thirty million on a guy if he's not going to raise your level? significantly enough to to be a Super Bowl contender and that's the question you have to answer I've said this like five times already but it's like if if your answer on that is yes he does and that's where you go now fans might not agree with that right and that's where we kind of get into the there are there are levels of right and wrong decisions um but I I do think that the coaching staff and like there's still questions around the coaching staff that you have on this roster is going to be a big determining factor if over the next like week or so like I guess a question too is like do you would you rather have a Jimmy Garoppolo? Would you rather have a Baker Mayfield? Whoever you do happen to land in the draft, if you do go quarterback, you you can't think that they're going to be the quarter the, your starter week one. And you would think there's going to have to be that that learning curve, obviously. So there's going to be the quote unquote bridge quarterback, which we've talked about. Now, do you if you expect to go that route? I understand then bringing back. Andy Dalton over going this route. If you if you're going Derek Carr, this is no bridge guy. The the issue I have, and people keep saying bridge is like you can only call it a bridge if the guy on the other side of the bridge is like a sure thing. Like uh, Andy Dalton was a bridge to Justin Fields, right? Like like you knew that it was going to be Justin Fields' job eventually. It was just a question of how long it took. Well, we've been waiting for Trey Lance. Yeah, yeah. Well, 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 right. And so Trey Lance is hurt, but he was going to be that guy, and it was always going to be that guy, right? Like, there was no question over whether it was ever going to be that guy. You could draft Hendon Hooker, and he's a project. So you're not sure whether in two years he's going to be ready to start. And you don't have a draft pick high enough to go get a guy that you can for sure say there's a there's some – like, you have to, it has to be worth building a bridge too. And you're not gonna you're not gonna just kind of tank two years in the process and hope. But I, I do think it's I do think it's a good question, and I, I think that Derek Carr could be a bridge guy. And it's like, okay, are you, you have three years. That's a that's a bridge. Like, I mean, that's a successful bridge, and it gives you time to go draft a guy and maybe develop him. And then by the time Derek Carr's contract is done, then okay, maybe maybe you draft him to Hooker, and then yeah, okay, yeah, he's, he's ready. Right, like Alex Smith is the best example I can think of, but like you, you drafted Pat Mahomes, that and that the way they played that in Kansas City, that seems to be like the most optimal scenario that played out. Um, even better than, I guess you would say, the transfer from, you know, Favre going into the Aaron Rodgers era, just because it was a lot smoother. 
Yeah, that got that got awkward. <laughs> right. It, it, but the, so the difference being, Alex Smith was always going to be gone. It was just a question of when. Brett Favre was kind of playing this, am I going to retire, am I not going to retire game. It's what the same thing Drew did. And it makes it more complicated because your timeline is not set. Right? Like, Alex Smith was never that guy where you're like, oh, if he comes back, we have to take him back. It's like, no, he's, he's you know, get go trade him. He's going to head up on Washington. Um, but, yeah. And so, yeah. I mean, I'm kind of waffling here, but I'm just not convinced that if you're going to take a quarterback at number 40, he's a force. Like, you would have to take a quarterback at 40 if you trade a third-round pick. And then it's like, okay, you're going to take a guy in the fourth round, and then, then you're going to pretend that – He's for sure going to be your quarterback in two years. Like that—that that doesn't add up to me. No, if if you're truly investing in that position, it's good. You would think it would be an, an early round pick, obviously. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, are you taking someone at twenty nine, right? But if you're trading for Derek Carr and then taking a quarterback at twenty nine, it would really feel like a tough use of your assets, um, and you would have a hard time convincing me you are maximizing your assets. For sure, when we know that there's so many other things that need to be addressed from you know tight end offensive line i actually think the offensive line is in decent shape you just need an interior lineman but yeah there's 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 things you you could you could definitely shore up no question you know that pick 29 when it comes on the clock and the the offensive lineman comes off the board that fans are just going to be pissed as usual everyone's gonna lose their minds all right but since i promised it other things that need to be addressed so just go through the coaching staff right now and how it's kind of shaped up and like who's been interviewed what's still available right so on the offensive side of the ball Pete Carmichael obviously offensive coordinator Doug Marone is the offensive line coach Joel Thomas is is the running backs coach Cody Burns is the wide receivers coach those guys are all back nothing changed there you might be able to argue that they should have at one or more positions but hey I digress um, the other coaches, Ronald Curry, QBs, that is the biggest domino question mark in my opinion right now, because if he gets hired by the Bucks, if he gets hired by the Broncos, I don't know what you do at quarterbacks coach. And you definitely just lost a very valuable asset in your room. And that was always my biggest criticism of keeping Pete Carmichael at the offensive coordinator role is Ronald Curry, I think has, it deserves a chance to, to lead an offense and by keeping Pete Carmichael you're you're probably gonna lose Ronald Curry yeah I'm curious to know like how m- much of a relationship him and Peyton have obviously because that seems you know it just it just seems like a good fit obviously uh, he, he and it's kind of like taking away you know from the Saints and Pete Carmichael it's like Carmichael 2.0 for him essentially kind of thing Right, right. Yeah, I mean, Sean hired him, so like they they obviously have a better connection than Dennis Allen and he would, but maybe he and Pete Carmichael have a good connection. I don't know. But it does, and I tweeted this, and this is kind of just my my galaxy brain working, but it's like, doesn't it kind of feel like the Saints kind of jammed up Sean by keeping Pete Carmichael, so he responded by saying like, oh, I'll take everybody else. And, And I say that, so Ronald Curry getting interviewed. He also interviewed Declan Doyle, who's a Saints assistant, for to be the potential Broncos tight ends coach. And that's significant to me because the Saints, one of the positions they have open is tight ends coach and run game coordinator after firing Dan Roshar. So Declan Doyle also went out and coached tight ends at the Senior Bowl and the Saints kind of decided what they were going to nominate him for. So it would seem to me that the Saints are kind of grooming him to be the tight ends coach. 
And I wonder if what's happening now, and you've kind of had this kind of freeze in terms of hearing about it, is he's kind of deciding whether he wants to be with the Saints or the Broncos. And it might be, yeah, definitely a case then with, you know, Peyton and the Broncos coming after him, you know, trying to entice, kind of pushes that promotion to get, you know, to get done with the Saints. So Sean helping him make more money. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was all a ruse that he cooked up with Sean to 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 leverage. Yeah, yeah, I need this raise. Please help me out, coach. Yeah, give me more money. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about that, but. Um, so yeah, so a couple others, Kevin Petrie is an assistant. He's been there for five years. Sean offered him a job. He turned it down. He's staying with the saints. So that's a good thing for the saints. Then DJ Williams, Bob Bicknell is still around. The other question is, so Zach Streif reportedly went, he's going to go to the Broncos to be the OL coach. Jeff Duncan of NOLA.com says it's not a done deal. I don't know. Kind of sounds like it is, but the question beyond that would be, do you fill that job at all? I would guess they do. And if you look at the team's website, Zach's picture's not there. Oh, is it not? Dun, dun, dun. So, yeah, it's like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I think that tells you all you need to know. Because they also took Corey Robertson off of... I'm sorry, Corey Robinson off of the defensive side, and he let his contract expire. So, they're not waiting around. They're taking pictures off. So, I think that's a pretty good indicator that Streif is, Streif is gone. So, yeah, shifting over to the defense, obviously, Dennis Allen's the head coach, and he's de facto defensive coordinator, if you will. Like, he's going to be the de- the top dog on the defense. But then under him, Joe Woods, we talked a lot about him. Don't need to go any more on that. Then Michael Hodges is still there at linebacker. Sterling Moore, Jordan Trailer, and Peter Junta are still the assistants. And then the news from this week, this past few weeks, is Todd Grantham was hired as what we assume is the defensive line coach. And then Marcus Robertson, who was the Cardinals defensive backs coach and was also the assistant defensive backs coach with the Raiders in 2014 under Joe Woods, has reportedly been hired, one would assume to be the secondary coach for the Saints. So that kind of shores up all of that, except for do you hire an assistant defensive backs coach, which I would guess you don't because you now have a secondary guy in Joe Woods and a secondary coach in Marcus Robertson, that kind of probably fills that need. So we're the New Orleans Raiders. Yep. The New Orleans 2014 Raiders, to be specific. If we get if the Saints end up landing Derek Carr, that really emphasizes that too. But yes, right, right, another guy. Um, but yeah, so realistically speaking, the biggest position you're still looking at is tight ends coach and run game coordinator. Now, that doesn't have to be the same guy. You could have Joel Thomas be the run game coordinator, right? Because he's the running backs coach, for example. Um, but yeah, so I think that's where you're looking at is maybe Declan steps in there. But otherwise, I think your coaching staff is pretty much set. So at least that's one hurdle cleared and you're just kind of waiting to see what happens with RC. Yeah, and it, it's really been a wild start to the offseason. And like I said, te- technically, we're not really even into the quote-unquote offseason of thing. Nope. But now we can now we can start talking about what, how much we hate those coaches ex, uh, uh, as opposed to who they are. So that's always nice. But yeah, let's wrap up that segment and we'll have a mailbag coming back. There's a lot of comments in there, so it's going to be a more extended break than normal. So I can go through and kind of highlight the, the ones to bring back. Um, so stick around. We will be back. This is Inside Black and Gold. 